Hello and welcome to the Cosmic Eye Show. I am your host, Jason Napolitano, and I have on the line Mr. Chris Sheridan. How are you doing, Chris? Doing terrific, Jason. Thanks. You were out chopping branches earlier, you told me. I you was, get yeah. get that taken care of? All right. It did. There's just something about ripping through some tree trunks and logs with a reciprocating handsaw. <laughs> sawdust <laughs> flying. Reciprocating and... handsaw. Wow, I that's a very that's called. very specific. I like. That. Well, well, it's like, like a it's like a handheld jackhammer because it vibrates and it shakes and the oh, blades yeah. just <laughs> sounds like a helicopter. And oh, that's uh, that's that sawzall. Sawzall. Uh, yes, yeah. Right. You. Right. I, I'm yes. not. Hey, it might be called a reciprocating handsaw for all we I, know. I don't. Know. I listen. <laughs> I am no. Uh, I am. I am no mechanic, nor am I. Uh, you know, one of these guys that knows tools. So uh, you know, I'm not. That's not a criticism in any way. Uh, it is Sunday. We are here live. Well, we're not live. You're going to be listening later, but we're here live. It's Chris and I are here live, right? Speaking the to each other. The spirit is alive. The spirit yes, is. is alive, and. Uh, you know, we're talking, we're going to talk today about, about Christmas. We are heading into the holiday season, and this is going to be up a little bit uh, before Christmas, but we uh, wanted to get a jump on it and uh, get you before the actual holiday itself and talk a little bit about some of the symbolism and some of the ideas and the history and so on uh, of, of Christmas. And as, uh, as per usual, we'll be drawing heavily from Mr. Manley Hall's work, uh, two uh, pamphlets that, uh, that Chris Thank you for doing that. A Christmas message. And uh, the other one is a Christmas story, I think it's called. Let me double check on that one. It is the story of Christmas. Story of Christmas. Both of those Manly Hall pamphlets that are available online, if you want to look those up. Uh, Not necessary, of course, to have them or to have read them. uh, But we are going to go through some of the ideas in there and discuss that today. Um, I am the author of If You Can Worry, You Can Meditate. Chris is the author of The Spirit in the Sky, and both of those books are available uh, on Amazon. Uh, Chris has a website called chrissheridan.com, so you can find out more about him there. Uh, and we both have uh, cosmiceye.org. Um, we, uh, we put stuff up on there as well, uh, so you can see the books and so on that are published. Uh, some of the things that are going on through Cosmic Eye. So uh, let's jump into it then. We will talk about Christmas. Um, do you want to start? I, I always seem to start. I'm going to introduce this and just maybe hand it off to you if, if you're, if you're good sure. with that. Sure. Uh, yeah. So jump in. That. It's Christmas. It's such a great... Uh, fa la 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 Yeah. Uh, <laughs> deck the halls. Uh, exactly. Deck, yeah. Uh, no, well, I would say mainly Hall loved Christmas. He uh, almost gave, uh, you know, yearly a Christmas themed lecture it was never like on christmas but the sunday nearest yeah um to a christmas uh it was usually christmas themed and uh these mainly that we're drawing from are from the late 50s they would have been lectures i think one of the christmas message was given in uh, 1957 or 56 okay uh and, and it was published uh in, even in the 50s um and through the different lectures pamphlets there seems to arise you know a common theme and i think that's uh i think something we could really touch on absolutely uh, today because it's you know he talks about all kinds of things uh especially with this holiday the history 
uh, the you know, evergreen, uh, for everlasting life, you know, the Christmas tree, you know, the spruce mm-hmm. or the uh, pine tree, um, to the solar, uh, sol- winter solstice, mm-hmm. uh, and the rebirth of the sun uh, happening around this time. Plus, there's across cultures, uh, there's always some winter festival, something based astronomically. Uh, but also with some kind of uh, dying and then redeeming God, Mithras, mm-hmm. Osiris. Um, so, so we talked about a lot of those things. And that's really interesting. There's a lot of history. There's a lot of comparative religion and comparative mythology. Uh, some common themes. Um, culturally, it's uh, very enriching uh, to know parts of our shared past and all what this holiday has become. But but quite simply, the, the thing you really mentions the most or really spent, I think, the, you know, the depth of of his discussion was on the spirit of giving. Mm -hmm. Uh, Not the the gift or the commercial Christmas that we've come to know. Um, This bestowing of the best that you have. And it's not even the thing. It's it's more of you uh, that you can give. Yeah, to somebody's the, the greatest gift, um, and well, it's that you can do it anonymously. Within, the spirit within you, isn't it? That giving yes, spirit, it is, right? That compels. It's yeah. we're we're sort of impelled or propelled by commercialism, and oh, sure, you ten shopping days left, and we got to do this, and you know, and that's fun. That's you know, it's, we live in a material commercial society. There's nothing wrong with any of that, um, but there's. It's what's behind it, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think there's an innate good in, in people that arises often in crisis. Uh, they say when things are at their best, people, or when things are at their worst, people are at their best or something like that. that yeah. Uh, you know, a tragedy, a uh, disaster. Uh, it's amazing what people do, even in a very individualized society like uh, in the West and uh, certainly in the United States. Uh, we can set all those differences aside immediately and we come together for some cause because something within us uh, that's already there, mm. <laughs> but it may be dormant. We may not use it that often, but it gets activated and uh, it's just incredible what, what we can do. Uh, oftentimes we wait for things to get bad enough to, <laughs> to you know, heed this call to action mm-hmm. uh, or even to hear it. Uh, but like that, there is a spirit of giving, giving of oneself, uh, even just the act of it or the, you know, the internal emotion of wanting to give of oneself um, is so innate. And uh, that's really, I think, where Mr. Hall, and, and for me, it, it makes a lot of sense too. the, uh, the real value of, of Christmas is that uh, very much this human, I would say it's even a human need. It's a soul need. It is some way the soul gets fulfilled yeah. uh, through this act of giving of oneself. So that's a, that's a great way to put it. And, you know, it, it, I think it puts us back in touch with the archetypal uh, energy that existed during this, this season for, for ancient man. So, you know, kind of, kind of going back uh, to get in touch with some of that, you know, we have to think about early man, being uh, more nomadic, you know, obviously uh, before 
civilization and before the development of city-states and so on, you know, human beings primarily were gathered into tribal structures and they were nomadic uh, herders and hunters. And so, you know, they were traveling around and, and they would be uh, really at the, the, in a lot of ways, at the mercy of the environment that they lived in. Uh, even going back to prehistoric man and, and, you know, prior to that, living in caves and so on, you know, we were much closer to, to the earth than obviously we are today, uh, where we've created a lot of structures and buildings and technology that kind of insulates us in a lot of ways from, from the outside world. Uh, you know, the early, early humans were very much in touch with and very much um, dependent on, and, and we're also dependent on the earth. We just forget it sometimes. But they were aware that they were dependent on the earth. And I think that's one of the differences in, in ancient man and, and, you know, modern or postmodern humans is that, um, you know, we feel like we're a little bit above it or beyond it. Like we can control the earth. We don't see the earth as, as having these cyclical events and we don't see ourselves as being part of this sort of Gaia or this living organism kind of idea. We see ourselves as being sort of you know, masters of our domain, sort of controlling a situation. And, and you know, it, it, the, the earth for a lot of us is, is a machine that pumps out things that we need. You know what I mean? And so, yeah. so when we look at it that way, so we think we get back to the more ancient ideas, and this is getting back to the archetypal idea of this sort of solstice. So ancient, you know, ancient humans, as they began to settle down, they began to notice that you know, there were specific times when, when, when things happened, you know, the season happened, the seasons happened at specific times each year and they began recording these things and they began noticing things like the solstices and the equinoxes and the winter solstice then became very important. You know, it, it's the time at which the sun is um, sort of fallow in a sense. It's gone, it's gone low and, it, you know, it comes out obviously, but you know, it's not around as much and it's, and it's, you know, it's uh, not as, it's energy is not as evident at that time during the year. And of course, you know, the trees are barren and nothing is, is growing. And th this is all in the Northern hemisphere, you know, the Southern hemisphere, it's the opposite of this. So summer would be like this, but again, you're not going to get uh, in the Southern hemisphere, the sort of extremes of cold and some and so forth as much. At any rate, the Northern Hemisphere is where most of these, these legends derive from and these mythological sort of ideas come from. Uh, so, they, you know, they, they began to equate solstice as, a, as, a, as the day of, of, of rebirth. Basically, it's the longest night, the shortest day. And so the next day then is going to begin a new trajectory where the sun is actually going to be reborn. So the days are starting to get longer and you're heading into into the warmer season and so on. You're heading into, into the planting season and whatnot. Uh, so the solstice was a, is a midwinter event that really recognized, you know, the dependence on the sun. And that giving idea, I think, is, is embodied, you know, in this, in this symbolism because the sun gives without receiving anything. It gives us life. It gives us light. It, you know, it makes the plants grow. It, it's, you know, gives us the energy and, and it's our source of life. I mean, physically speaking, right? So, you know, it was a natural symbolism for them to think, well, you know, this single light is, is, is a good symbol of our source, you know, of divine source, divine creation, our divine dependence, you know, the givingness and goodness of, 
of, of the universe towards, towards human beings and towards the earth. And so that time, you know, around the world, archetypally speaking, began to be associated with this birth and rebirth of the sun. And you notice, of course, Christmas, you know, does take place at that, at that time. So that was, you know, there was a lot of speculation as to when Jesus was actually born uh, and so forth in the early days of Christianity. It really wasn't until the fourth century with, um, with Pope Julius when December 25th was chosen. And, you know, two things occur at that time. The solstice around the 21st or 22nd, then 25th was also Saturnalia, which was an important festival in, in Roman times, and that involved giving as well. So, you know, they, there was a, there was a, a sort of, a, you know, there's an archetypal sense in many, many cultures, the Romans, the Greeks, the, the Japanese, the Chinese, Africans, you know, all over the world, that this particular time is a sacred time of giving and of rebirth and of, of spiritual um, dependence and, you know, spiritual growth and so on. And so, you know, it's natural that Christianity would, would find that, that date, uh, you know, to, to be symbolic of Jesus' birth. It and, is. And right? um, just to kind of throw some astronomy in, uh, the solstice, means you know sun stop um so like soul sun sol mm -hmm. and then st like static or stationary that's this solstice and sun actually on the 22nd 24 22nd depending uh, it will appear to stop in its track on the horizon um like how far uh, at sunset uh or sunrise uh, mm -hmm. it, it, it is um and then it starts, or it appears to, uh, then when it starts moving back again, uh, there's like a bit of a lag. And that's about a three-day lag where it's even with, and if you have very precise instruments, but uh, for the most part, it seemed like it stopped. And then it would start moving again on the 25th or have that appearance uh, again yeah. of motion. Um, and also then the three days in between the three days of death, uh, three, mm -hmm. you know, um, being in the underworld for three days. Yeah. Uh, so that, that just puts a little mathematical thing on the date uh, that has very much uh, to do with uh, the astronomical phenomenon um, that's encountered. And as far as the, uh, just to go <laughs> one step uh, further backwards, I guess, uh, the birth, if you subtract nine months uh, gestation, uh, then the conception would be around Easter, which is, of course, a fertility festival with the rabbits mm -hmm. and the eggs and, and things like that, as well as it is uh, in the Christian uh, tradition, uh, you know, the, the death and resurrection of the Good Friday. And, and that's the uh, time of that. the, the, the vernal equinox, right? Yes. Yeah. The that's spring the vernal equinox. equinox the spring and that's equinox. then the nine months. So that's because I'd always wondered, like, why all this, this fertility stuff? I thought that was when mm -hmm. Jesus, you know, was executed. Like, where's, yeah. where, where are these bunnies reproducing? Uh, but, but having to do with that, because that would be the ninth month before or the nine month time, yeah, you know, elapsed yeah. before then the, the Christmas uh, birth. So it, it ties in, you know, I, I love this astronomical and astrological theological, uh, connection. And, you know, I really like the way you described that, how closely linked we were and there, what well, we are now anyway, we, we still just are you know, exactly. more so than ever. And, and some yeah. of this climate change. Um, some of it has to do with 
with us being out of touch with with that. Um, yeah. You know how we you know get into this mess. Uh, but as far as the uh, the connection there uh, with the sun, and it is at its ebb. It's at its darkest, lowest, <laughs> coldest point mm-hmm. yeah. uh, in the dead of winter, um, which is why we need to release our light. We can take in light in the spring and in the light of day, and we're harvesting and you know young love, and we're getting married in June. You know all these things that people do and. Uh, in life, uh, but we're not, we don't really have it to take in. The sun isn't really giving it to us. Uh, so we have to generate it. We have to, in some ways, bring forth light uh, and warmth um, during this time when the sun, yeah. we're not yeah, relying on it. So it's, it's, uh, you know, it's a time for that, uh, for releasing things, um, sharing things. I, remember as a kid growing up this uh, this book called Frederick it was about field mice and they're all busy preparing for this you know oncoming winter and they're collecting uh you know provisions for the uh the long winter except for one named Frederick and he sat there his eyes like half closed and he was just thinking and he wasn't doing any of the work and the other mice were mad that he was going to benefit from all the work they were doing but Mm -hmm. he wasn't really pitching in and um okay okay whatever and uh, then the the winter came and they ate all their food, but the winter lasted longer than uh, they had prepared for. And then it was at this point, this mouse, Frederick, uh, stood up on a rock and, and started telling stories of the spring and the butterflies and the colors and the sun and the grass and all. He was collecting images and stories um, of warmer days. Uh, and then as he, you know, share that when mm-hmm. the food was gone and they were cold yeah. and scared. It was, it was that gift uh, in the cold uh, that was released. Um, wow. That, from that, within. So, yeah. And that reminds me of, uh, you know, that admonition in the Bible, man cannot live by bread alone. Right. I mean, that's, he's giving spiritual comfort and, you know, and, mm-hmm. uh, and stories that, uh, you know, to sustain the people and giving them vision, kind of like what we were talking about, uh, you know, in a podcast we did before, we were talking about where there is no hope or where there is no vision that people perish. Vision, you know, is created by stories and visualizations and imagery and some symbolic uh, uh, connections to things. And that must have been very important for, for ancient peoples, much more so than for ourselves, because like we said, you know, they were much more dependent on their environment. So, you know, the day, you know, they didn't have electricity, they didn't have uh you know, the, the conveniences that we have to turn day into or to turn night into day and to, you know, heat their homes and things like that. So that, you know, you would have been very, um, very grateful when the sun did return in its full glory to heat and to provide light and, and, and longer days and so on, uh, you know, for you. And so you can see where where this time of year would have been a very important, important season. Um, you know, and the other thing, just getting back to the food and that story, that Frederick story you're talking about, I was running and thinking of, you know, how important sharing was at this time too. the preparations for winter obviously would have took months and months, you know, people would have been drying and storing foods and grains and things that, that wouldn't spoil and so on to sustain them through the winter. Uh, but you know, you're never gonna know exactly what you're going to need. 
there's always going to be contingencies and issues that come up and so on. So sharing would have been a, a survival issue as well as, um, as a sort of a spiritual issue. So I think I, I, you know, you can kind of see where those two things would, would come together. Like the generosity and the spirit of sharing is, is, is also a necessity at this time of year and a reminder of our dependency on, on the sun, on the universe, and then on our, our, you know, our families and our structures and our society that we live within too, uh, the interdependent nature of that. And so that, that generosity, you know, is that archetypal sort of survival mechanism as well. Uh, not just to, just to put it in that, it's like, you know, there's the altruistic motive of generosity as well that, that's, that's in there. Uh, but then it does carry, uh, it does carry some practical sort of um, survival aspects to it as well. Um, let's talk a little bit about, about Santa Claus. Let's oh, talk about the idea of Saint Saint Nicholas and um and where some of this came from. So uh Saint Nicholas, I'll just start and then I'll hand it over to you, uh, was an actual saint, Saint Nicholas of Myra, and then he ends up be- becoming known as Saint Nicholas of Bari. Bari is a place in Italy, I think, where his remains are interred. Uh, but they were at Myra at one at one point, I believe, which is in the Near East. Um but I think that's where he was I'm pretty sure that's where he was from, Myra. Uh, so he was a saint who uh, one of the one of the legends that goes along with him was that he was he was a, he was a giver he was an anonymous giver of gifts and 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 generous um, generous uh, well gifts and donations and so on and and the idea behind it was that he would give secretly so one of the stories that is associated with him is a is a a peasant who had three daughters uh, who were of uh, marrying age and they were in danger of not being married because at that time you needed to have a dowry in order to secure a decent husband um, with a, with a, with an upstanding family. Uh, So basically each for each of the daughters, you know, he, he, in the middle of the night, he, he snuck, snuck over to the house and threw a bag, like a small bag of gold into the, into the room. Uh, for for the oldest and then the middle and then the youngest over those periods of time, um, and he did it anonymously. Uh, well, the, the actually the home the homeowner and the, the 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 father of these three daughters on the last one hid himself because he wanted to see who was doing these these donations, and uh, he found that it was uh, he found that it was Nicholas. And Nicholas told him, "Well, don't tell anyone. I want this to be a, a secret, and it's not me that's doing the giving. It's the Christ or the." the God, the God, God, the father, that's the, the provider of these gifts. And I'm just kind of a middleman. So, you know, tell no one. And so this idea is where some of the early uh, Santa Claus lore comes. Santa Claus itself, I think is a, is a Danish word. Is that, is that correct? Center, Center Claus? I think so. Yeah. With yeah, a K it would be. A, yeah. So. But it's based on, uh, it's based on this Saint, Saint, Saint Nicholas. Uh, figure. So I hand it over to you now. I wanted to add, you know, add what, what you have to say about that. Well, you brought up something interesting. It's that secret giver, um, the anonymous uh, donor um, that really, I think, is at the heart of it. Because, mm-hmm. um, I mean, as generous and feel good as it is to just kind of outwardly give somebody something or to receive something from somebody that feels good, too. Uh, but to do it anonymously uh, and to you know, see yourself as just the person that, you know, carries the goods or, you know, delivers the message, 
um, uh, plays along that you know really connected with something far beyond who we are, what we could possibly offer, and that's that spirit of giving that goodness um, within, and you know to have it be such a spiritual thing to begin with. Um, there's our spiritual dog. And spiritual there. dogs, yes. Um, the, uh, <laughs> the, the Christmas dogs in, are chiming he's in. Generously, <laughs> generously spicing up our Christmas, our Christmas message today, isn't he? <laughs> <laughs> well, he is, and uh, well, I mean, you know, the dog brings up, you know, at a certain point that um, there's a notion of being obedient and loyal and loving to God. Mm-hmm. Uh, much in the same way a dog is with his human owner, uh, that there's a complete dependency. You'd go out of your way to defend um, this master, uh, sleep at their feet, go hunting with it, whatever you know, this dog needs to do, but, mm-hmm. uh, but also very much 100% relies and depends and counts on this owner taking care of them without, uh, without question uh, that that's, Similar to that is, and that's our the dependence way we, on, we are on more the universe, right? The, yeah. the, the, our dependence on the universe or the higher source, right? Yeah, at some point we just need to lie down by the feet at <laughs> the fireplace, and, yeah, and and you know, and be that oil dog, and, and sure, just, you know, where you go, I go, and you know, we'll we'll get through this, <laughs> yeah. But you yeah, will being provide led by that higher spirit, exactly. Yeah, so cats on the that's another story. Uh, time for that now. <laughs> we'll get into cats in the new year. Yeah, okay. uh, exactly. <laughs> yeah, they have their own agenda, don't they? True. And uh, but you know, kids love this this idea of a secret. Yeah. Um, you know, hide and seek is you know one of the favorite game, uh, or even hiding. Oh, when somebody comes, so oh, hide, and then we'll jump out and surprise. And uh, the mask, you know, the costumes and. Um, it's not, you know, it's not about deception, but it's about mystery. And, uh, they even have that for, you know, little kids. There's Hot Wheels that now in little, you know, opaque plastic bags. So you, you don't mm, even you don't know what you're getting. getting. That's the whole point. And that's what, that's the, that's oh, the joy of it. What's it yeah. going to be? It's, it's, yeah, you know, it's yeah. so different than, you know, picking out the one that you want that you can see that, that there's something, uh, you know, mysterious or by chance or a surprise, um, you know, and that's, I think, even made more so when it, the giver of the gift is also a surprise or also unknown. Yeah. The gift will be revealed, but um, the giver um, is, you know, goes to this spirit. This, um, it's the good of the giver. It's, you know, it's the good behind the giving, but that's, What's what's so, I think, you know, I mentioned earlier, you know, is so brought yeah. up with that. But this, this anonymous uh, giver, this secret uh, Santa, so to speak, um, is, is, is such an important part of it, I think, not to be, uh, not to be overlooked. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. And the idea, you know, this, this is one of the things that I was open to this page on the Christmas message. Uh, a Christmas message, Manny Hall's pamphlet on this uh, from his talk that, that we talked about earlier. I'm going to read a, read this because it's absolutely on point with uh, what you were, you were just saying. It's really talking about Santa Claus and whether or not Santa exists and what that means to kids. A lot of, a lot of parents obviously have this idea that 
oh, it's, you know, it's a bad idea to tell kids that there's a Santa Claus. And then you, once you tell them there's no Santa Claus, then they become cynical and they think that you're lying to them and this and that. Well, he goes beyond that and he kind of talks about archetypally why, you know, the idea of Santa Claus is important and, uh, and what that means. So let me, let me read this. We all try to excuse the subtle sophistication which robs us of simple pleasure. We consider it necessary to com- clarify beyond all doubt that we are fully aware that there is no Santa Claus. Have not some child psychologists even gone so far as to warn us that if we continue to deceive our children with this pleasant fable, we shall subject them to serious traumatic reactions? However, the children of countless other generations seem to have survived this crisis without morbid reactions, so perhaps the dangers have been exaggerated. Let us pause for a moment then and ask ourselves, by the way, it doesn't say ourselves, it says ask our elves. Is there? So I think that's that's wow, a fantastic a little, little Freudian typo there. Yeah, right. Let's ask our elves: yeah. Is there our better elves? Is there right? Our bitter <laughs> elves: Is there or is there not really a Santa Claus? Then let me continue real quickly. Before we are convicted of mental aberration, let us ask another question: Is there or is there not a spirit of giving in this world? Why are men and women of every race, nation, and estate impelled on certain occasions to acts of generosity? We all share this simple, or excuse me, we all share this impulse, but it is something, but is it, but it is something separate. Oh, so there's another typo, I'm sorry. But is it something separate in ourselves? Has generosity no existence other than a spontaneous mood generated separately wherever and whenever it appears, et cetera, et cetera. So, you know, he's getting at the idea of this sort of archetypal spirit of givingness that exists in all human beings and exists in the world as an archetype. And it's something that we as human beings can embody. Uh, and symbolically, you know, we see that in this figure of Santa Claus or St. Nicholas or, you know, different figures throughout the world that, that, are, that represent that, right? Uh, but but again, it's it's something within ourselves. It's somewhat mysterious. Why do we want to give? I mean, I remember um, Joseph Campbell talking about that at one of his lectures. He was talking about this uh, this police officer who was standing up at this place uh, in Hawaii. It's a high high ridge or cliff where where suicides like to go and jump off and complete the act. So basically this police officer went up there and there was a a kid up there, a young man who was uh, ready to jump off. And he actually began to jump off and the police officer leapt out and grabbed him and pulled him back and nearly fell to his own death with the kid. And, 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 you know, he asked him like what, you know, he was asked by the, by a paper afterwards, like, how could he do that? He knew he was risking his own life and, you know, then, his family would be left without a, a provider and, you know, the police would be left one less, you know, officer, et cetera, et cetera. And he said, I just knew that I couldn't live with myself if that young man committed that act. And it was something selfless. I mean, it was something selfless within him as a spirit of giving a spirit of generosity, a spirit of sacrifice. It's that same sort of thing when we truly give uh, from our generous hearts, you know, it, it's something truly altruistic. There's not really anything in it for us or there shouldn't be. Do you know what I mean? And I think that that gets lost oftentimes when we start complaining about the commercialism of Christmas and, you know, the different things we're frustrated with and, and all of that. And, you know, this time of year, people oftentimes they'll be, you know, complaining on social media and making little jokes and memes about how stressful Christmas is and this and that. 
And, you know, we bring that upon ourselves. I mean, the natural sort of sort of tendency within us is to be generous and it's to share. And at this time of year in particular, we like to do that and get together and celebrate. Um, but what happens is I think we get caught up in the materialism of it and the shopping and all of the busyness and the expensive gifts and so on. And Manley Hall continually, you know, talks in all of his lectures and all of his Christmas lectures about a simplicity of giving too. You know, and talks about making gifts and doing more simple things like baking and cookies and, you know, getting together and singing songs or playing games at, at, at the holidays and so on. And just kind of going back to a more simple, uh, a simple, you know, time of festivity, um, you know, and it harkens back to the, the time of, you know, in early in, in, in early Europe and the Middle Ages and so on, when a lot of these, you know, these traditions were being formed. Um, but you know, they weren't as, 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 as commercially driven, obviously, as, as ours are today. Um, and, and so I think it's important this time of year to really examine, like, and kind of get to the heart of what, what's special about this. What's the mystery? What's the fun? What's the childlike adventure that's in it? And it's not really so much about the expense or the, the gifts, although, you know, it's fun to get, to get neat gifts. I mean, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not saying it isn't, but you know, the reality of it, and this is kind of one of those things that I, you know, that reminds me is like when kids get a really expensive toy and then they end up playing with the box, <laughs> right? Or, or something like this. And it's like, you know, kids themselves are, 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 you know, they have an imagination and a, and a joy for living and a creativity that oftentimes we, we forget as we get older. And so it rekindles that spirit in us when we, you know, when we give those gifts and we spend time with the kids and so on. And, you know, and some of that uh, really needs to be recollected when we're feeling stressful at this time of year. Like, what's the real spirit of this season? You know, and I, I like uh, we talked about this before we got on to do the show, but Manley Hall suggests uh, an interesting idea. He talked about how St. Saint, Saint Nicholas Day, which is on the 5th or the 6th used to be the day that uh, presents were given. Uh, and then Christmas itself was a mass or some sort of religious uh, affair. And so the two things were separate, you know, and he, he thought that that was a pretty great idea. And I can see why, why he would make that suggestion to do that because you split the sort of giving and the sort of commercial aspects of it and the gift giving part of it onto one day. And maybe that's, you know, really directed towards the children. And then the other time, you know, around the 25th or around the solstice or whenever that is, whenever you want to celebrate that is that time of birth of spirituality in man. It's that idea of a savior within ourselves or, you know, the savior, uh, Jesus, the Christ who was born on that day, according you know, according to, to that, that symbolic date. And so, you know, it, it splits those two things into, into different sort of categories. One's a sort of gift giving and sharing and generosity day. And then one is a day of, of, of seeing this, this birth of, of the spiritual consciousness within man. That's one symbolic interpretation of it, you know? So, so that's that's something to think about. Do you have any thoughts on on, on that or anything else that you wanted to, to share? Yeah, that was something I wasn't that familiar with. Yeah, um, you know, I don't know if you know we didn't even convert to the metric system here in America, so I don't know if we're going to holidays up. But um, but one well, thing, but, but I think the point speaking. though is, is that because those two are fused together, um, they've they've become lesser versions of each other. Mm -hmm. uh, 
I think, you know, yeah. so much emphasis is on the gift giving yeah. that, it, that there's a lot of pressure. Um, and then through that, you know, the rest of it, like you're saying about the spiritual rebirth and all that, um, that becomes lost in it or it's, it, I don't know. I think they're kind of confused. They're not in a, in a yeah. good way. They're not integrated. So maybe there's a way then to, to really see them as separate things or you know, two sides of, of, you know, what's a multifaceted holiday. Yeah, exactly. Um, so if we can't separate them with the calendar, maybe we can separate them and separate out what's good about each one and mm-hmm. what's important mm-hmm. uh, for each one. And- so that, you know, that's, that's a very good point. And uh, I think you're right. It, it's probably going to be pretty difficult to get people to change their habits of having different days. But, you know, something you might, might try is maybe doing uh, gifts on the, on the, on Christmas Eve. And then on, on Christmas itself, it's just about, you know, celebrating with family and, you know, you know, and then those kinds of things. He also talked about, Manning Hall talked about just taking time, even if it's just a few minutes of recollection or prayer or whatever is your, your sort of way of, you know, doing things is creating a little bit of ritual or, or time uh, to recognize, you know, that spirit of giving and recognize, um, you know, the blessings that you have and that you've received during the year, uh, you know, to take some time to do that, you know, because sometimes in the, in the hubbub of all of our celebrating, we don't stop and take a few moments to just be grateful, you know, and even say, Hey, I'm so grateful. Everyone's here. And we got the chance to, to share this with each other. And that, you know, we're in a warm home and we've got some great food and, you know, we've got gifts to share with each other and so on. I just wanted to take a moment of, you know, maybe 30 seconds of silence and let's just think about what we're all grateful for here. Do you know what I mean? And take, yeah. just taking a bit of time to do that because, you know, we've lost a lot of those rituals. We, we, we have some rituals, but they've become, again, so commercialized and materialistic that we don't even recognize what we're doing. So, you know, some, one, one of them's clamoring to put on the bowl game in the background and somebody else is you know, running around with their new remote control car and raising hell with that and the dog's barking and this is going on and, you know, grandma's doing this and, you know, there's so many things going on and it's great to all be together, but oftentimes we get lost in the, in the hubbub and lost in the sort of shuffle of like celebrating quote unquote, that we forget why we're doing it. And then we're robbing ourselves of that, of connecting to that archetypal spirit of generosity that this holiday is all about, this spirit of giving and sharing and love. That's the basis of it. That's the heart, the heart basis of it, you know, and just really taking some time even to, to notice what your heart's feeling and, and, you know, take some time to, to maybe breathe and, 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 and focus on that part of, of yourself can help you to connect to those feelings and things like that. So those are some simple things that you might do to, you know, kind of reconnect with the, the spirit of what's going on at this time, right? Well, yeah, that's a great point you brought up about gratitude because I hadn't really thought about it like that. Uh, so I'm glad you did. That in the spirit of giving, um, there's also receiving. You can't really give without receiving or mm-hmm. at least somebody to receive. But even before the gift, <laughs> the gifts are given on the 25th to take a moment and pause and be grateful for what we've already received before the giving commences, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I yeah. think that's a great balancing factor. Uh, we need to be receptive uh, and, and to honor, 
you know, all those gifts, many of them invisible or this secret origin or it's because of the mysterious rays of the sun um, that we've been given all year uh, to wind up at this point well, that we can uh, then share what we have to give. And to go on about what you said on uh, mainly all suggestion of getting together, singing songs, um, making something, baking together, mm-hmm. uh, playing games, uh, things like that. That's, that's the, I think, goes even closer to the spirit of giving is in that you're really giving of self. You're giving your time. You're giving your presence <laughs> with a C, yeah. Uh, yeah, not yeah. a T. Uh, but you're being present, you're in the present moment, you're baking, you're caroling, you're um, doing something. And that's that's the gift that like, disappears once the song's over. Where, where did it go? The trinket yeah. may survive, but the, you know, but, but, it, but the song will last forever in the heart, uh, yeah. even once the music stops playing. So um, just uh, I was thinking of that when you were talking about, um, you know, about that, about you know, the more handcrafted. Uh, but it's really spending the time. Um, it is. Together. It is spending the time, isn't it? And it's like making. It's making that time. And you know, time has become one of our most valuable commodities. I mean, how, you know, how often are we saying, "I don't have time for that," or "There's no time for exercise," or "There's no time for meditation," "There's no time to spend with my family," and we make a lot of excuses. It's amazing, though, that we find the time to watch seven hours of TV each night. Well, sure, but we don't. Fi- but we don't <laughs> find the time to practice an instrument or the time to make a handmade gift for someone or the time to cook a meal you know instead we'll order some awful pizza or something that you know from some terrible franchise um, that has no nutritional value and cheese that doesn't even have milk in it so you know these kinds of things it's like you know we we have to be the masters of our own our own lives and sometimes we've got to take back this um this sort of you know, this sense that we don't have time and really start reframing how we're, we're spending our time and then doling out our time to, to things that are more worthy of that time. You know, it's the only resource we have that, you know, that can't be gotten back. I mean, money comes and goes and, you know, food comes and goes and, you know what I mean? All these things, books and material things and so on come and go, but time is, you know, it's, uh, it's, that's the one thing that's like slipping through the hourglass. You know, we have X amount of time finite on, in this particular vehicle. Um, you know, and I think there's an infinite spirit in here and I'm not saying what, you know, that we don't continue on after we, we pass out of this, this particular body. But what I'm saying is in this particular body, in this particular lifetime with your name and form and, you know, this particular life you've gotten this time around, there's X, there's X amount of time with it. Right. And so to use that to the best of your advantage and recognize that and also recognize the cyclical nature of life, the cycles that go on and naturally, um, you know, and we can connect with that at this time of the year. Uh, getting back to that idea of the, the simplicity of Christmas, I want to read just a, a, a paragraph here from, uh, from Manley Hall's uh, story of Christmas. And he says, for nearly 15 centuries, the concept of Christmas giving and sharing was comparatively free from what we call commercialism. In older times, there were neither means nor circumstances which invited extravagance. Gifts were considered important principally because they represented the personal thoughtfulness, skill, and industry of the giver. Presents were quietly accumulated through the year. In their shops and stores, merchants took time now and then 
to fashion with their own hands toys and trinkets. Housewives sewed and embroidered, and as the season approached, they were, of course, busy preparing foods and pastries. Even the children shared in the benevolent conspiracy and the general atmosphere of expectancy. They drew pictures and wrote poems, memorized songs, and helped to gather the decorations for the house. There was no problem of the competitive value of presents given or received. Communities were essentially poor, but this placed no restraint upon the spirit of Thanksgiving and the pleasure of small remembrances. The very simplicity of the old Christmas was part of its charm and helped to keep alive and bright the sacredness of the celebration. You know, I think that kind of kind of says it all. It's like, you know, it's not. And that's the thing about us today, you know, in this world that we live in, we're very wealthy with technology and and stuff and some of us with money and, you know, and, and the, you know, the, the material goods of life. But then, you know, we, we have a sort of a poverty of, of culture. We have a poverty of, 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 of sharing, a poverty of, you know, uh, connection to other people, a poverty within the families of closeness and heartfelt, you know, real communication and things like this. And those are the things that, you know, that money really can't buy. In fact, in some ways they get in the way of, you know, you spend so much time accumulating material goods and so on. And it's not that they're bad, but you know, you can, they just take a lot of your time up. You know, you've got a lot of stuff and you've got a lot of stuff to take care of. Do you know what I mean? And you get away from a lot of the things that really light, what make life, the things that make life worth living. Um, you know, are not are not the stuff, but they're you know the, the the people that we spend time with, and the experiences, and the inner, in the rich inner life that we develop, and the relationships that we develop with people, and and the the generosity that we can show to others, and all of that stuff. And it you know it doesn't cost a great amount of money to to do any of those things. It's um, true, and right? um, in the similar way, if that's what's happened with the presence and the giving and the gifts uh, and all that, that it's been really cheapened uh, through commercialism. Um, yeah, I would say also uh, you might look at the spiritual aspect uh, of the Christmas holiday, which does get celebrated. Sometimes that's the only time of year uh, people might go to a church for a Christmas mass or something with their parents, their mm-hmm. home for the holidays. Um, exceptions are made. (laughs) Yeah. Even atheists will, you know, listen to Joan Jett singing Little Drummer Boy or something like that. I mean, there's (laughs) there's something for everybody in this holiday. Anything's possible, right? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Uh, You could be any any religion and and, and still enjoy the the holiday. But um, but I'm wondering also if if the, the spiritual part of it has sort of been lost in, yes, we go to Midnight Mass and sing the songs, Mm-hmm. Uh, like some of this stuff as fun and, you know, community uh, enhancing that can be um, there's it. Maybe that's also going through the motions uh, today uh, where well, it could be just sure. singing a song be, where you're just, could be, yeah. uh, Oh, hark the angel sing. Okay, great. Um, you, know, yeah. um, w- you know, what are we really dealing with here? Yeah, um, yeah. If the spirit of giving and all that kind of gets lost in commercialism, maybe there's a spiritualism or spirituality or uh, something mm-hmm. um, that maybe that has sort of been, you know, commodified. Um, I mean, we all did mention something about, you know, prayers uh, memorized by rote uh, that, 
you know, it's been, you know, a lot of rituals are, you know, we'll do the thing. We're not really connected with what that thing means. Yeah. Even in the, yeah. a very directly spiritual sense. Sure. You know, what is, what does this mean? You know, this. Well, that's um, why I think, like I was saying before, if you take some time to be, be quiet and to focus on your own heart and to, you know, make a space to think about what's going on and be mindful of what's happening around you and remind yourself, mm-hmm. it helps you to reconnect during those, what you're talking about, where you're, if you're just kind of going through the motions with some of this stuff, like really, really connect on a heart level with it. That's what's missing oftentimes. Yeah. Like our mind is there and our body is there, mm-hmm. but our heart's not participating for whatever reason. It's, it's being ignored. Well, we can you celebrate, know? you know, Jesus being born on Christmas, you know, 2000 times <laughs> in, yeah. every year. Um, but it's that one birth of the Christ in you that's going to yeah. make the difference in this world and in your life. Exactly. You know? Exactly. And and so it's a, a reminder sense. to, you know, yes, away in a manger and, and all this stuff, but what's, what's being born in you on this day. Absolutely. And I that think, is, that's the biggest, that's the biggest message of all, isn't it? Well, I think so. And our um, old philosopher friend, Hegel, um, with his dialectic, can uh, actually put some light on this. Um, there's the sense of thesis, antithesis, synthesis in the Hegelian dialectic, and that gets used for a lot of things, especially movies. Um, but in terms of Santa Claus, starting out, we believe in Santa Claus thesis. Antithesis, we don't believe in Santa Claus. And then synthesis, we become Santa Claus. Mm. And it's nice. this uh, pulling it through again to the other end. It, I mean, it makes it a, this cycle. of uh, So we have to become that, what we once believed in uh, without question because it's fantastic and it's wonderful and it's Santa and all this. And then we're cynical teenagers. And of course, this is stupid. I don't want to deal with this. Um, and then at some point with kids of our own or once at some point we need our soul really needs to reconnect and recapture that sense that we once had is to restore um, that wonder and surprise uh, within. So it's becoming that we have to become that now it's not whether something is real or not real, or you believe in it or don't, it's really participating in it and you're becoming giving you're becoming the spirit you you embody it you ensoul it as a part of your your being it's coming through you it's coming through you from some other place you know deep within and far beyond but um yeah and then i think we're on the right track i think that's fantastic i'm gonna bet that that might be the only hegelian dialectic slash santa claus discussion that's happened talking about christmas up to this well. point i think you might have invented something completely new so god bless you man. all right that well, was fantastic well that philosophy is starting to pay off great i think it, it is right that that, that and, and you thought it never would you know there it is right there paying off yep so you know that's uh i mean that's it right there in a nutshell become that become that thing and you know take a moment just to kind of recap what we were talking about, take a moment to, uh, to really, you know, recognize what's, what's happening while you're going through the, the, the motions of, of going to these holiday affairs and so on. Um, you know, whether it's church or whether it's a family get together, whether, you know, it's Hanukkah or Kwanzaa or Christmas or whatever, you know, that most of these involve light, they involve, you know, the big light, the sun, 
you know, birth and, and generosity and, you know, the earth and it's in its, uh, you know, generous nature and, you know, consciousness, God consciousness within us and, and these kinds of ideas. And remember, you know, what, what this, what this celebration is, is, is all about. Um, and particularly with, uh, with Christianity, with Christmas, because even if you're, you know, you're not a Christian, you know, most people do celebrate some form of Christmas and whether or not you agree with, um, you know, the interpretations of the New Testament or the Bible or Christianity and its, you know, particular views, you know, we can all kind of agree with, with the idea of love and, and sacrifice and generosity and, and, and the, 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 you know, the messages that Jesus shared, you know, I don't, you don't find many people who don't agree with those messages that Jesus shared. What they usually disagree with is, you know, the formulations and the dogma of, of Christianity you know, as a, as a, you know, more modern iteration of that religion. Um, but not particularly the, you know, Jesus teachings, which most, most people can say, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. You know, treat others as you wish to be treated, uh, you know, love your neighbor as yourself, things like this. I mean, it's like basic fundamental sort of moral and ethic teachings. Right. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, keep those things in mind at, at this time of the year, you know, take time and, and also like plan ahead and and don't, you know, get yourself into a frenzy trying to buy all your gifts at the last minute or worrying about, you know, if this person gives you this, how are you going to one up them and stuff? You know, plan ahead and start thinking about how you can kind of scale back and simplify Christmas a bit more. You know, we, you don't, we don't need to go into debt and we don't need to go crazy and we don't need to, you know, do all these things that we do oftentimes at the holidays to impress others or to try and make our kids happy on one day out of the year or something like this, you know, spend time with them during the year, spend time with them on the holiday, play with them, turn your phone off, shut your iPad off, stop watching Netflix, pay attention to your kids. You know, how often do we see parents walking around on their phone, you know, looking at also looking at an iPad and like pushing a shopping cart and the kids just like wandering around, like pulling stuff off of the shelves and throwing it on the ground, trying to get some, their, some attention from their parents. Don't be that parent. You know what I mean? <coughs> Excuse me. Definitely. Right? Well, you know, I mean, so right? it should I not mean, be the exception. No, it should no. be an exception. It should be a reminder. It should doing be exceptional. That. Yeah. And a reminder, um, a reminder, right? Definitely. Yeah. So, all right, anything else to add? I think uh, I think we've covered this pretty well. And I think we did. You. Yes. Thank you. Bless you, by the way. Um, yeah. So, uh, you know, check these these pamphlets out if you get a chance. A Christmas message or a story of Christmas. Oh wow! I got a I got an got ambulance pursuit? going by. I got an ambulance going by. God bless them. So we got ambulances. We got dogs. So it's a it's a cosmic eye show to be sure. <laughs> all right. All right. So I hope that everyone has a great holiday season and whatever holiday you celebrate around this time, uh, be it Christmas, like I said, Kwanzaa, Hanukkah, whatever, whatever holidays and whatever traditions or cultures you're all part of, you know, God bless you. And uh, I hope you enjoy it and spend time with your family and try to simplify things a little bit and take some time to recognize, you know, what's really going on at this time of year and what's really going on within your own heart, um, you know, and spend time and focus on the heart. So any uh, last parting ideas? I think you, you mentioned that, and that's the child heart within yeah. each of us that really is the spirit of Christmas. Yeah, connect to that, to that wonder and that child heart again. Remember when you were a kid and remember, you know, what it was like to, to believe in, 
in in Santa Claus to to you know be looking so forward to this event that it took on almost like a numinous or a magical quality you know think about that time in yourself and try to revive that within yourself um you know because kids are you know a lot closer to that archetypal world than we are as we grow up and you know we kind of move away from it you know you can see it in little kids when especially when they're babies you see babies looking around and you wonder what they're seeing they're, you know they're looking past you they're looking over you they're looking around you know, I feel like they're still, you know, they've still got one foot in the spiritual world, you know, and that's true for kids up until you're around, you know, eight, nine, 10 years old, when you start to develop that self-consciousness and you kind of lose that connection to the unconscious and to that spiritual world. Right. So try to reconnect with that. Try to reconnect with that at this awesome. time of year. It's a great time of year. So anyway, thank you. Uh, thank you for listening. Uh, happy holidays to everyone. We are here every, uh, every Monday with a new episode. We record these on Sunday. And if you, uh, if there's anything you want to hear us talk about, please uh, hit us up on anchor.fm slash cosmic eye and you can leave a message on there or you can go to uh, cosmiceye.org and you can send an email through there and, and let us know what you'd like to hear. And if you can't support us, please do uh, anchor.fm slash cosmic eye. Like I said, there's a, there's a button where you can donate on there and we greatly appreciate all of our uh, listeners who do who do uh, donate to us and support the show. Thank you guys so much. We wish you uh, holiday blessings. And uh, thanks again for listening. We'll be back next week. Goodbye and God bless. <laughs>